What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Up Finance podcast, a podcast where we discuss what's up with the market, the economy, and any other worthwhile topics and discussions. My name is Matthew Campbell, and joining me is my partner, Camden Elkanati. Today, we are very happy to welcome Zach Gordon, an American actor you guys probably know from Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but he was the true star of movies like Pete's Christmas and Bubble Guppies. Welcome, Zach. Oh, man. Thanks for... uh... Thanks for, you know, putting out my my claims to fame there at the end. Bubble Guppy specifically. Everyone recognizes me for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet. I can't imagine. Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, bro. That's, that's I get that go. all the time. They're like, "Why you oh my just God, like You're so good in that one." Wow. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you you like you like the Chihuahua that I voiced? Oh yeah. Personally, my favorite is Norm of the North. Just great cinema right there. Oh um, man, you know, or I maybe I, the Mighty B. I like the Mighty B the best. I don't know. Okay, oh, guys. Now cool. now I'm just blushing. Now you're really <laughs> now you're really, you know, making me feel good. Hey, but so, don't but don't source us. It's actually Wikipedia that we got all this information from. No. Oh I yeah, no, I, I wasn't planning on on sourcing you guys at all. I'm just gonna cross <laughs> so that today, off my list of things to do for the day. Yeah, yeah thank so, you. So today is actually going to be a very fun, very informal, very organic conversation that we're going to have with my best friend, Zach Gordon. Wait, does that we mean actually, I, shouldn't, I, I shouldn't look at all the notes that you made me write down that I should repeat word for word? I should just forget all that? <laughs> we don't talk about that. That's all right. Somebody give him his line, please. Well, you should know this from all your acting. You, Matthew, you're supposed to memorize the script, not read off of it. Matthew has been waiting to say that one line. Someone <laughs> give him. Uh, I, I've, got, I've got tons. Don't, don't you worry. Oh, man, I'm ready. I am, I'm ready. Obviously, your viewers now know what they're in for. So it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. This may be the best one, honestly. Hey, I'm not going to say it, but I'll agree with you. <laughs> So today's theme is what's up film industry and how is it being an actor in Los Angeles? So we will mention educational and financial topics like the film industry. How is it performing now? Has the COVID-19 pandemic have a huge effect on the film industry? Will it rebound and how the film industry is transforming during this time? But we'll also go into the background and childhood of Zach Gordon, what he did when growing up, how he lived, and how he's doing now. So uh, let's start. So first question, and we won't be doing questions. Hopefully, this will turn into an organic conversation where we'll just go through all the questions I have organically without me asking them. But let's start with where did you grow up and what did you do growing up? Um, well, I grew up in, um, in Thousand Oaks, California. So what I did growing up was like any normal child, I went to school, um, public school until I started filming the Wimpy Kid movies. Um, because during the process of filming, sometimes you can't, you know, be in school for the entire school year. So I had to have my schoolwork quote unquote shipped to me while I would film on set. But when I, when I was done filming, um, I would go back and live out my days as a, a, a normal child, as, as most people would call it. So I think I, I lived a pretty average life. I have two older siblings. I have uh, two really supportive and loving parents. And I was really lucky to have that because I think it, it helped keep me grounded 
during all the craziness. I don't think I was able to process it because I had so much schoolwork to do, or um, I had to support my family in, in some way, or I had to go play or do something normal. And my parents and my brothers um, did their best to make sure that I stayed, um, again, grounded. And it was really important to them. And looking back on it, super grateful for that. Because um, I, I would have turned out to be a crazy person. I'm um, just kidding. I, I had this weird thing in my head where I wanted to go off on a tangent and make a bunch of jokes, but I, I keep remembering that this is a very sophisticated platform. It's a podcast. I have to be on my best behavior for my bestest friends. Please, Zach. <laughs> our, our listeners expect only the most esteemed presentations here. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course. Yes, sir. Think of this as NPR, okay? All right. Wait, this isn't We're NPR? Wait, I thought, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, don't, no, don't, don't get us confused, please. Now with the great NPR, um, Zach, why don't you, why don't you tell us kind of how you got into acting? Sure. Um, so the typical story is, um, I was about like five or six, and I'd walk into some grocery stores, and people would say I had a lot of energy. I was precocious. I mean, you guys know me. You know, I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, no one laughs. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's true. So, you know, people told me that I should be on commercials or TV or, or um, you know, some entertainment platform. And because um, that's what everyone calls it, an entertainment platform. And it stuck with me. <laughs> and my mom wanted me to learn how to read first. And she wasn't too crazy about the whole idea. And so eventually when I was like seven, I reminded her. And I went to this acting class that a buddy of mine was also going to. Um, a buddy, I should say. We were like in first grade or something. Um, but um, I apparently wasn't a big fan of the class. But um, the teacher there sent in my headshot to um, a project. So the way it works in the, the film industry is you get an agent or sometimes you can submit yourself to a casting director. So casting directors usually put a, a breakdown out of, of projects, you know, they want to hire people for. So for example, if I'm casting the um, Matthew Campbell, what's that podcast, and I want someone who's 15, um, smart, and they could be energetic, right? You know, not not too specific on, on looks, because obviously, we're talking through mics, I don't really know how you look. I've never met you before, Matthew, you know, nice to meet you, by the uh, way. Um, nice to meet you too. But, yeah, we definitely don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, we definitely don't go way back. Um, but anyway, going back to my tangent is, so essentially a casting director puts out, puts out that breakdown and that's what the teacher of the class that I went to saw. She thought that I fit the, the breakdown perfectly of whatever it was. Maybe it was an eight, nine-year-old precocious kid. I went in for the audition, casting, they saw me, they read me, they gave me some lines. Hugh Matthew throwing in a, a joke about lines. I already got my part in. I get paid by the lines. So. Oh, okay, okay. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. Um, and anyway, I like to think I did a, a good performance. I was probably just being myself, and I didn't get I didn't get the role. But that project, they liked me so much that they wrote a part in the movie for me, which eventually got cut out. So I got a taste of the film industry in my very first opportunity. Um, but that's how it happened. Now, you threw out the word normal a couple times. Do you think you lived a normal childhood? And if so, why? And if not, what are some of the activities you missed out on? And would you go back and still be the actor that you are? Or would you have changed your life in a, in a different way? 
Hmm. So I think when I use the word normal, I mean it in a way that I lived as normal of a life as I possibly could have, because clearly it's not normal for an eight, nine-year-old kid to be filming on movie sets and having 20 to $30 million sort of riding on your shoulders. And I don't think it's anything like an eight, nine-year-old, 10-year-old can process, let alone 15, even now, you know, at 22. It's a, uh, it's a lot to fathom. So luckily, like I was saying, my parents really wanted me to stay grounded. So I think being in public school really helped normalize my situation. You know, I had normal friends, like, for example, you guys, you know, you guys are pretty normal. Um, and um, I, I think that surrounding myself with people that weren't in the film industry. And of course I had my handful of friends that were in the industry, but yeah. that, you know, encompassed with school and, and basketball and other, you know, physical activities, sports, um, helped me stay grounded um, to answer the question about being normal. Now, did I feel like I missed out on things? Sure. Definitely. I mean, there are plenty of friends' birthdays that I had to miss. I couldn't show up because I had auditions and I had to make those sacrifices. And it was painful. It was definitely tough to swallow, um, you know, at, at that age because I, I, I just wanted to be a kid. And, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do when you have a dream and you're lucky enough to be put in a position where your mom is willing to help you, help you um, accomplish those dreams. So, you know, it's like anything in life, there's trade-offs and, and I have no regrets. I, 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 I can't even, I mean, every day it's like, I'm, I'm living a dream. I mean, I've known what I've wanted to do since I was a kid. I've been doing it since I was a kid and I'm uh, fortunate enough to be, I like to say successful at it and, and good at it mainly because I, I'm just really passionate about it. And I was driven to put in the hours and the time that I think is necessary to be um, good or like I was saying, successful at any craft, art, um, even something as, as complicated as finances, which is, you know, what you guys are helping people with and, you know, what I've been learning about a lot during these crazy um, times that we're living in as we've all had a, a, a good amount of time on our hands. Yes. And just to give some context and background, I want to describe how we met. So you and I both attended Chapman University. I, of course, stayed and graduated, whereas you chose a different path to go on, a more appropriate, more personal path. We met through a mutual friend, uh, a good friend, Dylan. He uh, brought us to BJ's and he told me that he has a friend that's looking to go down to Morongo, but he doesn't have a ride. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm willing to meet another person from Chapman. Also, we should just, you know, preface that by BJ's, we're talking about the restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> just had to throw a joke in there. Come on. Yes. So he told me that this person at Chapman is looking to go down to Morongo and play poker. And I wasn't really excited about the driving aspect. I was already up in the Valley, Ventura County area. 
And he wanted me to, uh, like at 9 or 10 p.m. at night, drive down to Chapman, pick up this stranger, and drive to Morongo. Morongo is like, a Morongo is a casino for for people who may have yes. not heard of it. Yeah, so I was just thinking to myself, okay, well, I just transferred into Chapman from my former school. Don't know a lot of people there, um, but I'm I'm interested and willing to meet more people because I need to to be able to get myself more settled in, more comfortable with the environment, the new environment. So I said, okay, whatever, what the heck. So I drove down. And I remember. Chapman is part of this like residential area and to get to the school from the freeway you have to drive through these like these little streets through these these neighborhoods and I thought where am I and am I actually going to attend this school and of course I got used to it and of course I fell in love with it but it was so late I didn't know where to pick him up and we eventually met and we eventually became very very good friends best friends, more, more like brothers. And that's the context of it. And throughout the time that I've known you, we have been able to have these personal, interpersonal conversations where we would talk on extremely personal levels, get down to the emotional uh, complex and the mental complex of each other and asking the most extreme questions to try to better ourselves and to better uh, understand each other. And that's what I have really appreciated about having this friendship with you. So the questions I'm going to ask you, I, I kind of already a little bit know about, but not on the extent of me actually asking the question directly and you responding to it directly. So I know that your childhood has been normal to an extent that in your own uniqueness, in your own ways, it, it is normal. But... I would say that going through this experience, traveling the world, filming in unique locations, meeting older people, hanging around older people, um, you matured quicker and you, you matured quicker than your peer group. Would you say that, yes, I have matured quicker? And, and would you say this is a more of a benefit or more of a consequence? Hmm. Well, um, before I answer your question, I want to say thank you for um saying those really nice things about our our friendship i would also agree with you that it, it it's very special to me because i i think that it's very unique in the sense that we do push each other to grow and constantly learn and examine our behavior and our emotions and and i think that's a very important part of any friendship like i was saying man you're you're more like family than anything um but I, again i wanted to just sort of reiterate that. And, and I appreciated you sharing that. Um, to answer your question, I don't think it's something I was able to process. The fact that I would go from school to filming in, in Vancouver or, or Serbia, um, Serbia, Belgrade, um, or, or, you know, filming in different States, uh, Toronto, um, just to name another place, um, in Canada. So I, I think I've, I've, I've been in uh, this weird situation where all I wanted to do was sort of be a kid, but I also got to do something very special that people sometimes never get to do, which is travel and see the world under a very unique lens. You know, people were sort of putting me up in hotels so I could film and I had to get my work done, but then I could explore it and I could see, you know, what these places had to offer and I think earlier than most people get to. 
So I definitely learned a lot about myself, especially because most of the time I was alone. I was occasionally with my cast members, but because of the filming schedules, you don't always film at the same time. So me, specifically in Wimpy Kid, we filmed in Vancouver. Um, and I think I was filming so much that, that when I did get a chance to go and explore, um, it, it, it I, I, like I was saying, I, I couldn't process it because I wanted to be a kid. I wanted to go and play. But meanwhile, I was sort of, I had this unique personalized education where I, I, I had a, a teacher that would, would tutor me on set privately. So when I would go and explore these places, regardless of what project I was working on, I would learn certain facts. It was almost like I had a tour guide occasionally because we would try and make each field trip, quote unquote, uh, a learning lesson. So in Vancouver, I remember one day we went to the Museum of Science. I, I think it's still there. And my whole day of school was me and my teacher and maybe one other cast member. And we just walked around the whole museum and we played with the things. That, for example, the, the Museum of Science, I, I, I mean, forgive me if the memory is, is a little foggy, but I remember there was a machine that I would look at myself and I could see myself as a baby. And then I could also see myself as an old man, just to give you an idea of some of the fun, quirky things that that, that place had to offer. So I don't think that's something that you're able to do in school too often, where one day you're filming on a movie set, then you're going on a field trip to have fun, but also, you know, learn things. I guess when you are in school, when I was in public school, we did take field trips, but I, I think it, it all moved so fast. So when you talk about maturing, maybe earlier than 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 most people, I would have to say that yes, I was forced to because when you're put in the position where, like I was saying, you have a lot of money at stake and you have to show up every day like a regular nine to five and and make sure you get your work done and your and people hold you accountable. You have to you have to become more mature. Um, at least at that age than, than a normal 11 year old because, and I'm using wimpy kid specifically because it was such a, a big part of my life and it still is. And we filmed three movies back to back for three summers in a row. So I, I think in using that example, I, there was only so much I could process Camden, you know, because I was that age, but it's almost like something that subconsciously happens. It's something, you know, you can't exactly fathom until like, I've, like I was saying, when I've had time to reflect and process because you're moving so fast one day you're filming, like I was saying, then you're doing school, then you're on a field trip, then you're learning your lines, then you're doing press for the movie, then you're back in school. So you don't really have time to think, but it's almost like, I don't mean damage, but the damage is done. Like all of that is sort of, it's, it's ingrained in you subconsciously. So, and it, and it was never something I, I thought about it. It's something that just is, you know? Um, and, and you can't you can't go back and change it. You have to accept it, and you have to learn from it, and you have to embrace it. Um, but becoming famous, in some sense, a lot of people strive for it. They think that's the ultimate goal: to become known, to become uh, viewed the most, to become talked about on the street. Um, but also, it it blinds you in some sense. How did? becoming famous feel to you and does it have 
pros, more pros than cons? Or how, how have you known about becoming famous? And did people tell you that you have to act a certain way and you can't do this and you can't do that? I would have to say that, you know, no one walked up to me and was like, this is how you become famous. You are famous. And I never felt like I was famous. I still don't feel like I'm famous. I mean, you know me. I I'm yeah. I just I feel normal. You're very humble. You're very down to earth. And like I was saying, it's because of my parents and my brothers and being in public school. I wasn't sheltered. I was, I was, you know, I would work on a film set one day and I'd go back to school and be around my friends because when I wasn't filming, that's all I wanted to do was just hang out and be normal. Now, there are things that you can't control. For example. When you use the word fame, not only is fame fleeting, it's very dangerous because, you know, one day people really want to be around you or they don't, they, they resent you, or I don't like using the word hate, but they, they, they strongly dislike you without even knowing you sometimes because they either judged your work or they wanted to be in your position or they don't, you know, like your work or they don't like your movies or they do love your movies. There's just so much that's going on. It's like you listen to a song on the radio and you either like it or you don't. And, you know, um, I think I was oddly enough put in that situation at a time where it's so necessary to feel accepted. I think we all, you know, when we're in our teenage years, just want to fit in. And because of the, again, I like quote unquote fame. I, I never felt like I was famous. And it's never something I understood, just like being on a movie set, it, you know, I, I, I was just there. I just was and I was just being me. So I think, you know, all I wanted to do was connect. And, and I did connect. I had a, a fun group of friends and I felt normal for the most part. Um, but there were obviously plenty of instances where people would take photos of me at school or my teachers would, you know, want me to sign autographs for their kids. And... You know, people would Google me while I was talking to them, and it sort of sucked away the um, the normalcy that I, I I always sought after. But it it just became normal because it it happened all the time. And like I was saying, you don't think about it, and I don't resent it. I I don't have any regrets. Like I was saying, I'm very grateful because when you are put in a position like that, it's important to remember that you know so many people would dream of, of having opportunities like that to be able to see the world the way that I did to, to, you know, and not only just to see it and act in a set, but to, to get paid to sort of have people recognize you and notice you. And again, like I'm an actor, I love attention, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But I think as I've gotten older, and I've transitioned, and I've started to discover what it is that I want, it's become less and less about being famous and that fame, maybe because I had it. And it wasn't all it, it cracked up to be. And in some ways, it's 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 now more a thing than it ever was when I was younger. I don't know why that is. Um, maybe a new generation of kids are watching the movies and with social media, it's it's such a different time. But it's really forced me to stay on my toes. And, and, and because I've been put in this position, I, I almost feel obligated to continue to grow and continue to get better um, at any level, whether that's acting the music that I'm working on now and, and, and writing, screenwriting, um, 
or even just talking and trying to help people and improve not only myself, but, you know, people like you, Matthew, people like you, Camden. So if we can all just by communicating with each other, you know, help each other grow and move forward and, and get better, whatever it is that we want to do. So, you know, that's sort of where I'm at in my life. And I think all of these things I'm talking about definitely played a factor into why I think the way I do and why I see the world the way that I do, obviously. Now to dive into the acting experience, um, I've always lived in LA. I, I grew up in the Valley and then I moved down to Orange County for school. And then now I moved up to an apartment in the Pico Robertson area. But I've always known that people swarm to Hollywood into the LA area to become actors, be part of the film scene. And I know that it's a huge impacted industry and there's tons of people who want to become actors and actresses, but there's only a limited amount of parts. So maybe you can describe to us the experience of the auditioning and the uh, acting and the talent agencies and the people that you are involved with and that whole experience. Sure. So um, it, it can seem very complicated from the outside. But once you learn it, just like stocks, just like anything, um, I, it's sort of like the veil's lifted and, and it becomes clear. So Earlier, I mentioned that, um, you know, when you're auditioning for a role, someone has to send in your, you know, your headshot or your resume to the casting directors because the casting directors have put out a breakdown, is what they call it, of a, a character description of what they're looking for, right? To, to fill those requirements that the film needs, whatever roles that the, that the producers, the writer, you know, whatever they need um, and want. So it's not that simple. Um, I think. Now more than ever, there's more opportunity, but there's also more people trying to break into the industry. And I think it's never been easier and it's never been more difficult. What do I mean by that? Um, the industry is changing because things are shifting digitally and um, you know we have our streaming services, the studios are around, but um, I mean, there's so much content out there. The media is splintered. You have your freemovies.com, Netflix, Hulu, randomstreams.com, uh, more randomstreams.com. You know, everyone's just sort of trying to shove content out there and, and see what sticks. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, maybe it's because it's more um, lucrative that way. But I mean, I don't know how all of that stuff works. I would assume it's lucrative because, you know, this is a business first and foremost. Um but in the sense of how it all works, um, you don't necessarily have to be in Hollywood. When you know I say things have transitioned digitally, I just mean that you could be in Texas and posting um, videos of yourself on an Instagram or an app like TikTok, um, and people will um, you'll, you'll get recognition. As in, if you as if your videos do well and you consistently put more content out there, people will pay attention to you. Now, I'm sure, I mean, clearly that can help elevate your acting career. If you want to be an actor, um, there's obviously different ways of going about it. Now, I obviously was never in that situation, so I never had to do that. I'm not a big proponent of social media, um, frankly, because I, I just, I, I like to, you know, sort of keep my head down. And and one thing I actually did mention, didn't mention about, you know, being younger growing up is, 
it's difficult, especially the times we're in, is I, I feel like everyone knows everything about everyone all the time. And I've never liked that, maybe because everyone sort of knew everything that I was doing as a kid. You know, you're put under this magnifying glass and you also don't, I, I wouldn't say you're not allowed to make mistakes, but you're definitely, there's more consequences to your mistakes. So it's, it's, it's tough in that sense. But I would say that like, again, not to go off tangent, but going back, um, people live in Hollywood because this is where all of the opportunities are because the studios are here. Um, I, I'm not sure why that is. It just became that way. I don't know when it happened, but it's always been a thing. Now, of course you can do theater in LA, you can do theater in other places. New York is the, the biggest place for theater. So, you know, there's different sectors, you know, just like Silicon Valley is like the tech bubble. Um, it just is. Um, and you know, I think it's unfortunately very expensive. So a lot of people aren't able to just pick up their bags from wherever and, you know, start a brand new life here. It's, it's tough. And um, I wish it were easier in that sense, but maybe that's what makes, um, reminds me how, how fortunate I am and how lucky I am just to be able to afford to live in California and, 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 you know, go after what it is that I want. So I, I think, Getting an agent is also a tricky part. That's why I said, you know, being on platforms could also help you be, get discovered. I don't think it's the same way as it used to be where, you know, casting directors would go to plays. Or, I'm not that they don't do that, but, you know, back in the day, you used to, it used to be very textbooky. You would, you know, apply to an agency, they'd have open calls, you would audition for them. And, you know, if they wanted to sign you, they would. But because so many people are trying to get agents or trying to be, um, represented by a manager or another company, you have to have something unique to offer more often than not. And a following definitely helps you um, get to the front of the line. If you're just wanting to start out, that's what I usually always recommend to people starting out. Um, but you also have to be very hungry. So, you know, if I always say if you need anything in life, and I, I would urge you that if, if um, you want to be an actor or an actress, you have to make sacrifices. And that's what I started to realize as I got older is I made all of those sacrifices as a kid. I sacrificed my normalcy. I sacrificed, you know, normal events, playing, being normal. And in return, I, I think I've, I, I'm very proud of a lot of the work that I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to be a part of. So I think anyone that wants to be an actor or an actress, you have a dream, you set goals. So whether that's one, move out to LA two, start, you know, building a following or putting out your own. If you don't want to do the social media route, then I have friends that all they do is, you know, make short films and then they submit those short films to festivals. Now it's very slow and steady most of the time, but you know, I think the people that want to rise to the top immediately are going to fall just as fast. And I've always been about the long game. I've been an actor for 15 years there's no right way to do it. That's what's beautiful about the industry right now. You, Like I was saying, you don't have to be in Hollywood. Eventually, you will have to be if, if you really want to be a full-time actor, but there are ways of doing it. There's no excuses. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. You know, Camden, you know this. We talk about this all the time. If you want something, you have to educate yourself, and you have to go after it, and you have to do the work, and hopefully, it's what you want to do with your life. So I always, you know, Matt Damon, I think it was Matt Damon that said, um, um, I think it was Matt Damon that said, um, I, there's this quote, I, I don't want to butcher it, but he said, if people say, Hey, how do I become an actor? Or should I become an actor? Um, he just tells them don't, because if you're even asking someone, then, you know, I, I'm not saying you won't last, but there are people out there that are 
as we are talking right now, working on their craft, getting better at acting, putting content out there, but hopefully just putting themselves in a position to get more opportunities, whether that's being seen by someone who is an agent or a manager or a producer that will help you get to those people. You can't let one no stop you. And if you and if you do, then this is the wrong town for you. Because in my career and my 15 years, I've been on over a thousand auditions. And if I had stopped, I would not be where I am today. So that's it. I mean, I think you just have to go for it. There's no thinking, there's no second guessing yourself. It's you will if you if you're sort of just thrown into the 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 ocean you just you're gonna learn how to swim hopefully or you're gonna drown and you know what that's okay too because um you know you you learn something either way you know i i i um i'm a big believer and you just got to go for it now how does someone work on their craft more particularly how do you work on your craft what do you do to enhance your communication skills what do you do to um excel on your acting performance what do you do so um personally i i like to take advice from the people that i look up to um and i was listening to a podcast a few months back i think vince vaughn was on tim ferris's podcast and he was talking about that you have to do one thing every day um that that will help your craft so now to answer your question Something as simple as watching a movie, um, but it doesn't have to be something just for entertainment. It could be educational. I love to watch. Sometimes I watch Rebel Without a Cause. James Dean's one of my favorite actors. I'm sure many people love his work, and there's a reason why he only did so few films. You know, it's a tragedy that he, he died so young, but there's clearly a reason why they had they had the impact that they that they have had on people, including myself. Um, so I like to watch, if I can't watch a film every day, I read a script. And if I'm not reading a script, I am writing. I'm writing a script. And if I'm not writing a script, I am writing songs. And how does this help my craft? Because one thing I've learned about music is that it sort of goes hand in hand with acting. If It's not so much about what you say, it's how you say it. And of course, what you say is important, but it's the, about the emotion behind it. So I think it's easy to get caught up in one thing and specifically in acting, you can't always control the outcome of an audition or an opportunity because there are so many factors that go into it. For example, you could be the wrong height, the wrong skin color, your hair is a different color, your eyes are blue and they want someone with hazel eyes. I mean, the list goes on, let alone your performance. Um, So it doesn't just come down to that. So um, having other things in your life that, that, work on those other things. It's like laying the foundation. I, I really do believe actors that um, can command their emotions are, are you know, for example, someone like Joaquin Phoenix, I feel like he, he just is, you know, he, he's not acting. He's not trying to, to project an emotion or a line on someone. He's just being after doing all of the work that he has done to prepare for the role. So when I say laying the, laying the, the foundation, I mean that, you know, if you're a musician and you want to be an actor, you have already unconsciously or consciously started to build your emotional vocabulary because when you're playing a guitar, if you're feeling it, chances are you're playing well. And just like if you're singing, if you're if you're feeling the melody and the music and it's, you know, it's it's just coming out of your soul and your body, people will probably be affected, just like acting, you know? Um, 
so if, if you're if you feel something, chances are the audience can see that and they'll feel something or feel the same emotion. So um, I think getting better at your craft is a is is very simple to do. It doesn't have to be just about acting. Now, of course, you could take classes. You could go find a play to be in. Um, you could, you know, just watch movies, write poetry, read. These are all things that are are skills that will add to building the foundation of, you know, because you have to be able to read scripts. You have to be able to memorize your lines. You have to be able to, you know, listen to people and um, and observe and and hopefully, you know, command or convey some emotion. What are ways you can build all these skills? Start memorizing scripts of your favorite movies. Start reading scripts. Start writing, even if you're not good. Start watching what the people you look up to are doing, because usually those people that you look up to looked up to someone else. And I always like to, to follow the thread. So for example, I love um, John Mayer. He's a, he's, for those who don't know, he's a singer, songwriter, guitar player. He's an incredibly musician. Um, and he looked up to B.B. King, you know, who's a blues player. So I think it's very interesting if you look at it in those terms. Look at the people you look up to now. Who did they look up to? And sometimes, you know, they're at the top of the list, which is great. So I always like to find as much information as I can. You know, things that I'm sharing with you guys, I've learned from other people and people that I've looked up to or people that I've admired that maybe I haven't met or I have. But the fact of the matter is, um, there's a lot of ways you can work on your craft. And um, even if sticking with just one of those will help tremendously, consistently over a long period of time. What are your biggest fears and what makes you most happy? Uh, biggest fears. Um, I think the cliche ones. Sorry, Matthew? I was just going to say, Cam's getting pretty deep on you here. Yeah. Always. Um, and, and this is how our conversations go. We end up starting our conversation with, uh, hey, how's it going? How's the family? What do you do today? And then we start talking about like the deepest and most sincere things. That's I love our relationship in uh, a 12-word statement. I love that. Uh, man, I like how you can count that fast. I'm, I would love <laughs> to listen back and really see if, it was 12 words exactly. Um, don't, don't quote me. I won't. But um, to actually quote you, um, just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, what I love is is we can talk about poker one day because we both are passionate about the game of poker. I, I love cards. Um, it's I think it's fascinating. It's a manly game. Not in the sense that I'm not screwing against females playing it, but uh, – Manly has this connotation of being uh, aggressive, uh, being uh, risky, being strong. Um, and that's what it takes to play poker because you're playing with real money. Uh, sometimes pennies, sometimes hundreds of dollars. And you have to have that personality to be able to lose, to be able to bluff. Um, and we have both loved experiencing that. We have both loved playing the game together because we love those feelings. And one thing I forgot to mention is when I was talking about how you can work on your craft, to me, poker, I'm working on my craft because so I have to work on my poker face or I have to take risks. Sometimes you don't know if this is going to work out, but you know, you just go for it. Now, obviously in poker, there's math involved and hopefully you have other factors that, you know, for example, the percentage of your card coming out or the percentage that, you know, if you have an idea of what your opponent has and you could potentially, you know, there's other factors in it, but that's one thing I love about it too, is that in a weird way is it's fulfilling. 
but it's also helping me work on these little tools that can also I can carry into my my craft. Um, but um, yeah, sorry to answer your question about the am I afraid of anything? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get buried alive. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone does. Um, <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know. There's there's sociopaths out there, but it's not something I am I am ever um, hoping happens to me. But um, I also think that a big fear of mine is this sounds so cliche but I just hope that you know I I I fall in love one day and I meet the right girl and I have a family and um again like again going on to what makes me happy I think I love acting and it nothing makes me happier but as we get older as we've talked about you and I Camden you know priorities change things change and a big reason why I love acting is I'm doing what I love, but I'm also setting myself up for the future that I, I right now in my life, I think I want to have, which is family and the kids. And I think a big fear would be not having that. And uh, I, I don't doubt that I won't because I, like, again, we've talked about is I really do think your thoughts um, lead you into the direction that you're meant to go, mainly because what you think about, you tend to act on. <laughs> so I, I think... I'm not worried, but it would be super unfortunate if um, if something like that didn't happen. Now, it's never going to happen the way you 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 plan it to, just like anything, like career, um, relationships, especially. But um, yeah, I think that that would be a fear of not having that. And you know, being happy. I'm I'm sitting here talking with you. You know, we're it's a Saturday, and sure, we're all in quarantine, but this is so fun. You know, I'm just talking with my buddies and. Hopefully other people out there resonate with a few things that I'm saying. And, and that's what makes me happy is just connecting with people. And because one thing I have really learned as I've gotten older is I'm not saying you can't do everything on your own. And I read this in your newsletter too, Camden, that you shared with me the other night. You know, you, you talked about how sometimes, and I wanted to ask you about this. You have always been very self-driven, self-motivated, and I don't want to use the word alone. But I think we um, connect on that level because I, I have always felt driven. And even though I, I haven't been alone, I've had my support system being my family. Um, but I've sort of shifted my focus on to what I thought mattered to me, whether at one time it was meeting the right girl or whether it was my career or whether it was, you know, music. So um, I think... I, I, now to sort of just segue into what I wanted to ask you is, um, well, let me let me uh, respond to that. Okay, okay, let's hear it. So, being alone, some people would say that it feels shitty. You you feel like you're not making connections with anyone that that you have no one to talk to, that you have no one to express yourself to, that you you can't get affection from someone, you can't get someone to care about you. But from what I've learned, it's way too difficult to make someone like you. It's way too difficult to control or to try to control how people act towards you or, or how people talk to you or, or what people say to you. Um, and I've learned that, of course, in life um, and from many readings, the, the purpose of life is to make connections and to contribute to society and to contribute to the whole and to offer something useful to society and to change society in a, in a, into a better way. 
But in order to do that, you have to know yourself. You have to be comfortable with yourself. You need to sit in a room by yourself with no distractions, with no electronics, with no social media at your exposure. You need to be comfortable within yourself. You're your own body, your own, your own thoughts, your own mind. You need to understand how you think and how you work and how you process things and, and how you react to things. And in order to become a better self, you need to know these things. And these are just the very basic things you need to do. And one of the biggest things that people have a problem with today is being insecure and not being comfortable within their own skin. So they change their hair, they they act out, they become rebellious, they uh, go on social media, they do irrational things, and they don't become or they don't connect their, with the, with themselves, and, they, and it gives them a difficult time connecting with others. So, yes, you and I both share in the sense that we enjoy spending time with ourselves, even though we don't only spend time with ourselves. We, we have loved ones that we spend time with, and we have hobbies and other things, but you and I both value spending time with ourselves and getting to know each other on a personal level. And I think that's what life's about. You don't you don't get buried with all your cars and all your houses and all your wives and all your friends. You get buried alone by yourself. And and that's who you want to connect with the most. And of course, on a spiritual level. Maybe you could say you need to connect with a higher power, like God, Adonai. Um, but that's on a spiritual level, and I don't want to get into that. Um, one thing I want to, and this is, and I'm not disagreeing, I wouldn't call it disagreeing. I think this is just friendly discourse. You had mentioned that people, you know, dye their hair and put all these things out online. Now, I... I've never really dyed my hair. I, I've never really put a lot of things out on social media, but I would argue that sometimes you have to make mistakes. I'm not saying dyeing your hair is making a mistake or putting something out there, but I've definitely fallen fallen victim to, you know, when I was a young teenager, I would, you know, like some, I'd tweet my feelings or I'd, 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 I'd talk about like my favorite flavor of ice cream, which again, like, I don't think that really adds value to anyone's life. <laughs> No, well, let me um, tell you why you did that. You did that because you were seeking validation. You wanted someone to relate to you. You wanted attention. You want someone to feel for you. You want someone to comfort you. But but you let me say something. Familiarity. Don't, don't you think that, you know, like I was saying, I think anyone, when when not anyone, but most adolescents, teenagers, just want to be accepted and just want that validation. If it's a maturity get, thing, it's a maturity thing. But no, I know that's, up, that's that's what I'm saying. Is I think I think. There's a lot. I mean, I don't think we can expect most of our youth to automatically be be, be very mature, and and because I think in order to become mature, you need to make mistakes, and and I think you need to have more life experience, and hopefully, you know, a good foundation of of friendships and family, and 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 people who really um want to see you succeed. And if you don't, then it's that pain that you know maybe has you that causes you to lash out or act out in a certain way. That hopefully with time, again, I'm not talking about teens. I'm talking about, you know, like, I mean, I'm talking about teens in time that will hopefully turn into something positive and, and, and force that person to mature. I, I, I'm just saying that I don't really have any problem with as long as no one's hurting anyone or, or, you know, or 
or you know causing harm and i know you agree with me on this no and i agree with you that, people that, could express yeah. themselves in any way that they want as long as they do it in a non-harming way towards themselves or towards other people yes. and honestly in politics and economics in cultural and social standards people can do whatever they want they can believe in anything they want they can protest they can express themselves in numerous ways as long as they don't hurt or disrupt my own rights or the rights around other people it's it's and and that if if they do disrupt my rights and if they do hurt me in some way that will be wrong in the sense that what they're doing is more than just a movement towards their own being. It, it's disrupting society, and this is what we've seen with the protest and all. But nobody is uniform. Nobody is in sync with each other. No one has this standard look or this standard being. Everyone is unique, and that's what makes individuality. Yeah, I, I think politics is very interesting it's definitely um i i think it has a lot to do with all of us just sort of being in this weird situation where we're we've been stuck in our homes um for the last few months and some of us are losing our 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 our, our homes so i think it's it's all of this this fear and this anger and this frustration and it's all leading to um you know, I like to say that sometimes the scale has to tip all the way one way before it can, you know, tip back to normal. Now, hopefully, people don't, you know, hurt each other and, and, and hopefully it doesn't get, you know, much darker or, or and because it clearly it's it's gotten to a, a really um, a scary place, especially, you know, you're watching the news these days. There's, uh, you know, I think it's like all I see is just terrible things. So I, I try not to watch um, as much as I used to. Um, no, you know, but we could hope and we could dream and we could expect and we could aspire towards something. But and this is yeah, we could we could only control what's within our our own boundaries, within our our own environment. We can't control what people do. And that's what I was gonna if, say. If shit yeah. becomes worse, if even if shit becomes worse, what do you need to control how we react to it? How emotionally we react to it, how physically we react to it, and I think the best thing to do is to stay calm, composed, and just to be quiet. To circle to back, people are voicing their own opinions about the topic, and yes, of course, you should listen and respect and admire that people are actually expressing themselves in this, this manner. Um, and some people do it irrationally, some people do it rationally, but. There's too much noise already out there, so I, I choose not to contribute to it. Yeah, and and um, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I you know I get very excited and passionate about um <laughs> about our conversations. Um, and I think that you're so right that I think that in the sense of if we had if we just sort of focus on ourselves, which is why I've really started to value my time alone, and if we really stopped feeding into this anger and our emotions, the, the negative ones specifically, um, we'd be much better off. I really think because I've spent more time focusing on myself, educating myself on the issues at hand. So I know how I can deal with them rather than 
follow the mob or follow what I, I think I, I should feel or, or, or think. And it's been very empowering. And one thing you brought up the other day when we were talking about finances is, you know, obviously the market is, is going crazy and, and no one even knows, you know, moving forward how to invest. I mean, until things start to calm down, none of us know really, well, we have a plan or an idea of, of what our plans are, you know, individually, again, based on our own research and, and our own intuition. But you said that, you know, and it's weird. It's almost like the stock market is a reflection of our, even though it's it's not a reflection of our economy, everything is so crazy. I feel like the same thing is happening in politics, in the world, in my industry, in, in your industry. And it's, and it's, if you can tune out the noise, and again, going back to what I was saying is you were, I, I brought up how Tesla is, is just going crazy. I mean, what's going on? And you said it doesn't really affect you because, you know, what, what really is important is money is, is, is here today and gone tomorrow, but the knowledge of money and, and the wisdom on, on how to manage your finances. And, and again, I don't want to sound cliche, but, um, you know, have your money work for you. I think if you're aware of these things, it, it all just becomes noise, just like the news, just like the stock market, just like anything. And you just have to stick to your own fundamental principles based on the research you've done. And, and um and not get so caught up in what's happening now because like any you know past trauma or, or uh, trauma meaning like any you know thing that's happened in the past that has damaged our society or the economy um it comes and it goes and it's a part of life and you just have to figure out how to deal with it and you know it's just the times that we're in so you can either educate yourself and and really dive deep into who you are and who you want to be on the other side once we come out of this or you can just you know, let the wave take you and, you know, just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a proponent clearly of, of people just sort of running and going crazy and, and tearing each other down and, and not communicating clearly. So, um, I think it's money be is as viable and as meaningful as its use as is where you, where you put it, what you do with it. Money has no value if you don't use it correctly and in a, in a right way, in a just way. And I'm not talking about morals or ethics. I'm talking about the actual efficient and effective use of it. Yeah, maybe your goal is to see how, how big um, you could turn that number in your bank account to. Like uh, as a child sitting in bed and, and seeing how, how far and how long you could count for but money is a byproduct. And during this time, I have discovered that money has no value. Of course, it will come if, and, and it will come if you don't focus on it, but it will come if you become interested in something, if you specialize in something, if you become curious and driven and ambitious and if you work hard. And what I have learned during this time is money has no value, but education, knowledge, and intelligence does have value. I think that's the most valuable thing in this world. And there is a huge correlation between having a lot of money and being very intelligent and being very smart. And that's what people should focus on. They shouldn't focus on making money and how am I going to make money and what makes the most money and, and hustling to make money. They should focus on 
expanding their knowledge and becoming more educated and becoming more literate. Again, there's a huge wealth gap in society because there's a huge literacy disparity. The lower half has no education, no literacy in finance, in, in reading and writing and in English. And the top half have the resources, have the tools, have decades of, of schooling in a systematic approach and without a systematic approach. They continue reading, they continue writing, they continue learning because they know that's what's important. They do that because they know it's important. And they're lifetime learners. Not, yeah, I'm going to go pass high school with uh, the bare minimum GPA, get into community college, get my degree, and then that's it. No, it's life learning. And regardless if you go to school for the rest of your life, you should continue to learn for the rest of your life. I think if we found a way to have more of a conversation about, you know, spending more time on ourselves and figuring out ways to grow, whether that's reading more or, or just learning about a particular subject in general that we may be passionate about. And what's the harm in doing the work and realizing that something isn't, you know, a passion of yours. I, I think that's something. And again, you know, I think we're, we can all have moments where we are laser. We don't want to do something, but I, a conversation you and I have, have had several times is I, I actually haven't brought in this fact up, but it's a fact is you and I could, we could go on Google and we could look up anything we want. I mean, anything. And if you don't have a computer, there are libraries that have computers. And more often than not, I'm pretty sure it's free to become a member of, I don't know of every library, but I know that the libraries that I'm a member of, it's all free. So um, yeah, I guess public library. Um, <laughs> um, but I just don't want to make a, a broad generalization for people that, you know, maybe if there is something different in their, their area. But um, it's we've never had um, more access to information Ever. I mean, we have it so good. And, you know, in these last few months, Camden, I have locked myself in my room. I have learned, I didn't know anything about real estate, stock market, nothing. I had just spent my life sort of focusing on my, my acting, my craft, music, and, and, and writing. And I am telling you, it's, it's beyond liberating. And it was all through Google and, and through YouTube. I mean, people have, I mean, if you want to learn anything about a subject, all you need to do is go on YouTube and just type in your subject, and I guarantee you, there, there is. I mean, uh, the toilet broke in, in our house, and my dad fixed it by watching a YouTube video. I mean, it, it's, it's, it blows my mind what we have access to, and most of us aren't using it. And it, it. it and this again, goes back you know? to the content conversation we had on how these production companies and how these streamers are pushing out tons of content to see what sticks. And that is a great way to conclude this podcast, but not end this conversation because I want to have a part two or a part three or a part four speaking to you about um, psychology, about human behavior, about the film industry, about anything in particular. Um, but if you like what you heard, you can subscribe to our newsletter by clicking the link in the podcast notes below.
Thank you, Zach, for joining us. We really appreciate your time and what you've contributed to my own learning and through your speaking and through the, the advice and guidance you have given to our audience. Um, thank you for having me. I, I want to thank um, you, you know, your audience for listening. I, I like to think we're all on our own journeys and we're all learning and hopefully we can you know, grow together. And so if there's anything you liked, feel free to take it. And uh, if not, you can, you know, just just put the rest aside. But but thanks for uh, thanks for listening. And, and I want to thank, you know, you again, Camden. Thanks for just being a good friend and and, you know, giving me a free space to to, you know, vocalize my thoughts and always being a good um, human being. And Matthew, thanks for uh, having me as well. And, um, you know, I appreciate you as well. Of course, well said everything, Zach. I enjoyed listening to you guys go back and forth. I think our listeners can get a lot um about out from what you said especially when it comes to like uh following your craft and expanding your knowledge base so thank you i look forward to having you back on our show again sounds great man likewise thank you all for listening in we hope you've enjoyed this week's what's up podcast and we'd love your feedback and to hear what's up in your lives feel free to shoot us an email to the address in the podcast notes below